0: The sermon texts for this morning's sermon will be found in two different places. Uh, The first I will read from 1 John 1, 1 through 4, and then we'll flip backwards two books. So 1 John, 2 Peter, and then 1 Peter, if we go backwards to 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. So 1 John 1, 1 through 4, and then 1 Peter 2, 9, and 10. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life,
1: Well, good morning. My name is Ethan Larson. Some of you that don't know me, um, I'm actually a missionary from this church and um, preaching this morning on global missions, missions in the church. And um, I serve with a ministry called Training Leaders International. Um, We do theological education. It's our privilege to serve and to bring theological training to pastors, church leaders, uh, lay leaders all around the world to serve them as they serve the Lord. So uh, I've been involved in missions. Uh, I've been a pastor and a missionary for about a little over 20 years, I guess. That does not make me an expert Uh, Everything I have learned about missions, I've learned by doing it wrong. My deepest insights are failure. (laughs) So uh, I don't stand before you as an expert. I stand before you as one who loves the church. So that's what I want to speak on today. A few months ago when I was asked to... Uh, speak on missions in the church, uh, I realized it's rather a large subject, and uh, one might fear that would make a rather long sermon, but um, fear not. Your uh, preacher this morning has neither the aspiration nor the ability um, to share more than a few uh, simple observations on a few precious scriptures. So, Uh, More to the point, uh, my purpose is not to speak on a subject, but to preach to a church and to hold forth the gospel that's at the center of the church's mission. So uh, I focused on two passages um, in which we can hear and see the gospel and then consider some key ideas about how we as individuals have been involved in missions, and continue to be involved in missions, and how we as a church can communicate and minister the gospel to each other and to the world. So, to see and hear any of this, we will need the Lord himself to show us. So, will you join me in prayer? Father in heaven, we come before you, and we ask that you would open your word to us and that Christ would be revealed. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So I've been thinking um, about what to preach for uh, quite a while, a couple months, and uh, I have to be honest with you that um, it's actually been a hard sermon to prepare. That might be ironic for you that a, you know, missions professional um, finds um, A missions sermon to be uh, a challenge, but uh, as I thought about it, I realized this is actually the first time I've ever preached to a church on missions. Strange but true. And I began to just think about some of the questions and some of the simple things and simple convictions um, that I have accumulated uh, over the years. And I knew that I wanted to base um, any mission sermon on the simple foundation of the gospel and focus upon the church. So I went back to a few uh, key scripture passages that um, have instructed and helped me. They aren't intended, of course, to be full or final. Um, None of these things contain the whole of missions. But I want to begin by offering just a couple uh, definitions, some working definitions in in my mind uh, that I think of in terms of missions and the church. Again, they're not exhaustive, they're just working things that I think through. One definition of missions might simply be that missions is the declaration and the demonstration of the gospel. Missions is the declaration and the demonstration of the gospel. And the church, in a similarly simple definition, might be thought of as a group of people in whom and through whom the gospel is declared and demonstrated. And as you consider these definitions, you'll hear repeated two key words declare and demonstrate. And to me, that's at the core of missions, declaring and demonstrating the gospel. Again, there's much more to be said, but I want us to consider these two ideas and and two passages that I think that go along with them. And so, the first one is from 1 John. Now, again, I was asked to uh, preach on this uh, a couple months ago, and I have to say that the first thing that came into my mind was First John one one to four, and then I thought, oh no, wait, Pastor Charlie's preaching on First John, what? and then I thought, oh, that's great, <laughs> because Pastor Charlie will have done a better job and a full exegesis of all of this passage deeper than I can go, and more complete, and we've walked through this already. So, if anything, I want to extend from that and make just some observations and applications to us from that. Um, I've loved this passage um, since it was first given to me to translate in my very first Greek class. Um, this is, you know, this is a common thing here. You assign First John because the grammar and the, the words are so simple. Uh, but this is not a simple or simplistic passage. It's deep and it's rich. And I love it. It starts with this long, complex sentence, something like the Apostle Paul would write. But it really has a simple point, and that is the message of eternal life. And as we've looked at this as a church, we already recognize that John's gospel and John's first epistle resonate with each other in their beginning, don't they? Look at the familiar phrases that we've seen in both. That which is from the beginning, the word of life, made manifest. There's an obvious and intentional play here. John is dealing with a great, intense, intense, mystery but it's also intensely personal it's personal in first john or the, the gospel of john you have this really amazing uh, passage about this abstraction of the word the logos and here we have john speaking about this eternal word that's made manifest And he says here that this is what he has heard and seen and looked on and handled. He has intimate knowledge and experience with this word. We look at that, and I don't know what you think, but for me, it it can be easy to become jealous of John's experience. Wow, wouldn't that be great? You know? He knew what Jesus looked like, he knew what Jesus sounded like, he knew what Jesus felt like, which one of us would not want that experience. And yet, that's really not what John is enamored with or even really focusing on here. John's not bragging, he's not claiming a special position or privilege, rejoicing in something that he has experience, but his readers haven't? No, something far different is going on here. His intent is not that we become jealous or despondent because we don't share that same experience with the physical Jesus. In fact, he says something quite stunning and different. (laughs) He says, that which we have seen and heard, we proclaim to you, We want you to know what we know, who we know, so that you may have fellowship with us. Indeed, our fellowship, into which this message has delivered us, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, John's not keeping this experience to himself nor keeping his distance from his readers. In fact, he proclaims this message, shares his experience so that you and I might enjoy the same fellowship that he enjoys. Nothing less. Indeed, it's it's a fellowship with the Father and the Son. It's an invitation that you and I can share in It's an expectation that we would know the same fellowship that John himself has. Then note also in in verse 4, which I always just kind of thought was a throwaway. (laughs) Not at all. John says, his joy is not complete. (laughs) His joy isn't complete because he's heard and seen and looked on and handled the word of life. His joy is incomplete until he's shared it and invited others into it <laughs> and seen them experience the same joy. Not a lesser joy, the same joy. This is what John is excited about. This is what he's passionate about, that others would know the same joy. Fellowship, the same joy that we too would hear and see and look upon and handle the word of life. Now, says in verse five, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. Okay, what is this message that's able to bring us into this fellowship? Here it is, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If We say we have fellowship with him while we walk in the darkness. We lie and we do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship. We have fellowship, one with another, and the blood of Jesus his Son let that sink in. Hear what's being said here. We get dull to this as church folk. This is a stunning claim. This message that's being proclaimed, that that he's sharing, that he wants us to know, that he wants us to understand, is able to bring us into eternal life. Do you realize the power and the potential of the word that we are reading here? <laughs> this word, heard, believed, responded to, gives eternal life. Who wouldn't want to share that? <laughs> Who wouldn't want others to enjoy that, to be brought into that same fellowship, that same salvation. These are life-giving words. <laughs> just by what I'm talking to you about today, no tricks, no disciplines, no experiences, no exercises, rituals, just this message proclaimed. It's able to bring people Into fellowship with God. We can hear that. We can receive that. We can share that. Look at what's summarized here in verses 5 to 10. Not going to go through all of it, but isn't this the core of the gospel? The declaration that God is light, that He's holy, pure, true, sinless. And that if we walk in darkness, in sin, we're outside of fellowship with Him. But then, this glorious truth, look, if we confess our sins, that we walk in darkness, that we are unholy, well then, He is faithful and just. and he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness that gospel that good news message is able to bring sinners into fellowship with god himself in fact no one comes into fellowship with god without that message romans 10:17 famously says that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Hearing that declaration of the Word of God, the truth of God, gives life, gives life-giving faith to the hearer (laughs) to believe and act and confess sin to be forgiven of all unrighteousness. It brings us into fellowship with God Himself, walking in the light as He is in the light because of the blood of Jesus cleansing us from all sin. Hallelujah. (laughs) This is how every Christian becomes a Christian. Did you know that? This is how we're born again. This is how we become the people of God, the church. This is the declaration. It is the gospel. It is central to the mission and the ministry both of individual Christians and of the church collectively to declare the gospel. Missions is to declare the gospel first. (laughs) It, It has proclamation at its very core, declaring. We often hear sometimes people say, you know, probably quoting apocryphal uh, Fran- uh, St. Francis, right? Have you ever heard this? Preach the gospel and w- use words if necessary. <laughs> you heard that before? Let me tell you, in the scriptures, <laughs> preaching the gospel is words. <laughs> it's a declaration of who God is, what he has done in Christ, in the announcement, the invitation to receive it. So declaring the gospel. That brings us to our second passage. I'm gonna go through both passages and then bring them together and, and, and say some things as we close. But second passage from First Peter chapter two. In this passage, we read. The effects of that declaration. Now, you can go back. I'll give you some homework. I'm a teacher. I'm sorry. Um, You can go back and look at the first part of 1 Peter, and you will see that he describes much the same announcement of the gospel and of salvation um, to his readers that John does. But here in this passage, we read that that declaration of the gospel— that we read about in 1 John, that Peter has spoken about earlier, uh, has not only brought us into fellowship with God, but that the gospel has brought us into fellowship with each other as believers. That's not just proximity. That's being brought together into something new. Look at this first part of verse 9 with me. Look at what being brought into the gospel accomplishes. Peter writes, You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. Does that sound like anything, or, or, or maybe anyone? that you've heard of before? (laughs) What are those phrases, those titles, those names, what does that make you think of? These are phrases and titles that God used, that the the Old Testament uses of God's people, Israel. (laughs) Here, Peter is telling Gentiles, (laughs) Gentiles, <laughs> Gentiles, that the uh, that the names, the titles, and the relationship described in these these terms are now theirs. <laughs> you, you Gentiles, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation the people for his own possession. What would it mean for Peter's Gentile audience to hear something like that? These Gentiles knew the Jews. <laughs> you read Josephus and you, you, you find that there was a hunger amongst Gentiles to hear and to come close to and to investigate and even to become a part of the Jewish nation. Synagogues have this add-on feature <laughs> of, of a room where the Gentiles can listen to what's going on. In the second temple, we have this unique feature. It's not there in the first one. It's in the second one. This hall, this court of the Gentiles. I always thought that was there to just like, keep them out. I don't think that anymore. (laughs) It's a provision for them to be near. It's a profound thing that Gentiles, like you and I, (laughs) might be called chosen priests, nation, possession. Gentiles were usually called outsiders, dogs, And sometimes, fuel for the fires of hell. That was the general Jewish opinion. And yet here, Peter says something radical. The gospel that they've heard, that they've believed, that they've received, that they've been brought into fellowship with the Father, with the Son, has remade who they are, has made them chosen, royal, holy incredible. It's an astonishing statement, but it's an even more astonishing reality. It's a reality. This is what the gospel produces then and now. Peter goes on to say that they were once not a people. Now they're a people. They're God's people. Once they had not received mercy, now they have received mercy. And look back with me now at the second part of verse 9, which we skipped over. We have this amazing statement of God's purpose in choosing this people, calling them into fellowship through the gospel. He says this choosing as priests and a nation and possession is what? So that you may proclaim, be a proclamation of, of the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. A few simple observations here. Let me ask a question Who is declaring here? Who's declaring? Is it the people? This new nation? Yes. <laughs> Let me refine the question and ask who declares first? God does. God does. Who gave these names? God did. <laughs> who created this people? God did. Who called them out of darkness into light? God did. God is the Savior. He's the actor. He's the lover. He's the seeker. To steal a phrase shamelessly from John Piper, God is the gospel. I want you to see a couple things here. First of all, notice that even though these people are saved individually, they've heard the gospel. They have received it. They have, as John said, confessed their sins. And God, as John said, has been faithful, forgive them of their sins, and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. And here they are now in fellowship with God, and God calls them a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. They're saved individually, but they're declaring something collectively. <laughs> the declaration is collective. It's the nation that declares, it's the people who are priests. This is something about missions that. Um, in America, we have a little bit harder time understanding. <laughs> I work in a lot of cultures um, where they're we cultures, they're us cultures, and they rejoice, they understand the collective nature of being um, in the church, in the nation, in the people of God. It's harder for them uh, to think more individually. (laughs) We probably have the opposite problem, right? (laughs) It's easy for us in this individualist American culture to think in terms and to rejoice in our salvation. It's harder for us to think about being put in a group, being a declaration together, <laughs> right? But when we think about demonstrating, here, at least in this passage, it's a collective. Group thing. This nation, this church, this church declares and demonstrates what it means to be saved. They declare and they demonstrate the gospel together. Going back to my original definitions, I said that missions is the declaration and the demonstration of the gospel, and that a church is a group of people who collectively <laughs> demonstrate or declare and demonstrate the gospel. So I want to take these two together and I want to speak about the church and missions. And I I think you'll notice very quickly that I I don't really separate those two things. (laughs) Church and, and missions. Missions is not a program of the church. Missions is substance of the church. (laughs) I also, in in thinking about missions, I don't know what you think, but, you know, I I grew up as a pastor's kid. I grew up in church all the time, and when I thought of missions, it was like someplace out there. (laughs) It was far away. If we're talking about missions, we just left foreign off the front of it. Missions is, is out there. But as I think about missions, I don't think in terms of distance. We are doing missions right now, right here. This is missions, right? Why? Because we're declaring and we're demonstrating the gospel. This is the church because we collectively are declaring the gospel one to another. We're declaring to a watching world the gospel. We're demonstrating the gospel one to another. <laughs> and we're demonstrating the gospel to the watching world. I said earlier that there were these names that Peter uses uh, and, and that they, they echo that. Those names originally were used of the, the, the nation of Israel. What's, what's the word Israel mean? <laughs> what's the word Israel mean? We use it so often, we just Think of it as a sound. It's a word. Governed by God. Something like governed by God. Do you realize that the nation of Israel, everywhere they went, (laughs) were literally saying, well, well, who are you? Oh, governed by God. We're we're governed by God. Right? (laughs) So when people looked at Israel, they were supposed to see, oh, Oh, that's what being governed by God looks like. That's what it's supposed to be, right? We're the same today. We are the Israel of God today. We are, right, the chosen race, the royal priesthood, the holy nation, the people for his own possession, proclaiming his excellencies together, right? We are, are called out from darkness into his marvelous light, right? And we declare that and we demonstrate that together to the world around us. So, thinking in terms of missions, I want to exhort us on both levels, right? It is individual and it is collective, (laughs) It's both. Can't be one or the other and be healthy anyway and be complete. So our mission as the church, mission starts right here. Maybe in terms of thinking about missions in our church, we should start right there. Are we declaring and demonstrating the gospel one to another. Right? How can we declare? How can we demonstrate? Right? Let's do missions (laughs) with and among and to and from each other. Let's be this life, this relationship, this fellowship, allowing the gospel, allowing the reality, the truth to shape us and form us and control us and energize our interactions. You know, our church is like every other church throughout the world and throughout time. We are just like the church that Peter was writing to. Those same things apply to us. The same opportunities apply to us. And missions scales. It doesn't change. It scales. It grows. It extends out of that reality that's first at work in us individually and then at work in us collectively, right? The declaration and the demonstration of the gospel. So, a couple things to think about. I don't know if you've thought about this, You know, I go as a missionary all over the place, right? Have you ever thought that you're the result of missions? (laughs) You ever thought about that? You're the result of missions. Somebody declared the gospel to you and demonstrated it to you. Rejoice in that. Delight in that. Praise God for that. If you know that person, thank them. I'm sure it was more than one. We are the result of missions individually. Right? We are the result of missions collectively. This church didn't come out of thin air. (laughs) We became a church because people believed in missions and thus sought to plant churches, a church in Elk River. Right? So, if we're going to be involved in missions, we're just going to repeat that. (laughs) Other people need to individually hear the declaration of the gospel. Start local. (laughs) Start local the gospel relationships that you have now. Declare the gospel. Share what you know. This is not rocket science. What you've seen, what you've handled, what you've tasted, what you know, what you've heard, share it. Share God's Word. It's able to give life. (laughs) It's able to bring life, God's life giving word. And then, as those relationships expand, as they extend, right? It's a new gospel opportunity. New neighbors move in, gospel opportunity new person on the train, right? New person on the bus. I ride the train. I ride the bus, right? Gospel opportunity, right? Sharing what we know, declaring, hey, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just. What do I want you to know? I want you to know I wanted to share this. I don't know if I'm going to be able to do it. It's a little emotional, okay? But as I thought about this and I was reading this verse, I want to tell you, my my kids will tell you this. Um, when they hear 1 John 1, 9, I bet they think of a spanking. <laughs> I do. Yeah, nervous laughter. <laughs> right? See, When I think about that, you know, it's easy as a parent to think about so many ways that you fail in discipline, right? One thing I wanted my kids to know (laughs) was about the forgiveness of God, right? Just ask forgiveness if you confess your sins. He is faithful and just to forgive you. People need to hear that. <laughs> and he's faithful to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Right? I want my kids to know that the most simple, profound truth. God forgives sin. <laughs> God can make you clean, right? It's no different for your neighbor. It's no different for your kids. It's no different for your parents, right? Well, as I said, None of this is exhaustive. I'm I'm sure there's many other verses you can say and use that contain and declare the gospel. Use them. Declare them. Demonstrate it. Right? So the church is full of people, individuals who themselves are the products and the fruits of missions. Right? Right? And then we ourselves collectively, as the church, declare and demonstrate and thus do the work of missions. In whatever relationships God gives us. Right? We're talking about building. Do you think that's going to create some new relationships? Yeah. (laughs) Right? There's a table... Yeah, right there, Global Ministries. Go look at the relationships that God has given this church. Right? That's the way that God has given us to reach out to the world beyond Elk River. Right? He brought Amos and Meredith to us. And then they uh, sent them to Albania. Right? And so through that relationship, we extend the ministry of the gospel through them. We send them. We declare and demonstrate the gospel, our interest in the gospel in sending and supporting them. Right? VJ and Abigail and in India. Right? Just look. It's gospel outreach. Pray that God would give us more relationships, <laughs> right? Pray that God would extend our opportunities to reach around the world. To declare and to demonstrate the gospel. It may start with us. May we be a church, be people who declare and demonstrate the gospel one to another. Speaking God's word, speaking God's truth. Come to the end of something like this, and you're like, wow, so much more to say, right? I hope this isn't the only conversation we have about missions. (laughs) It's not, right? It's not. This is the reality of, of what it means to be the church, right? So let's think and pray together. Let's let's consider together. How can we declare, demonstrate to one another? To Elk River around us, right? That big splotch on the wall in the church office. Have you seen that? That was one of the first things I remember about coming to this church and going to that office and just seeing the circle of all the pins, right? Charlie, I don't know who made that, but it's just pins of where everybody lives. We, we impact a large area. How will God use us? Let's pray and consider. Let's stir one another up to love and good deeds. Father in heaven, I thank you for this church and I thank you for the opportunity to speak and to consider and to stir up uh, my own thoughts in terms of declaring and demonstrating the gospel. Near and far, (laughs) close, sometimes harder, When it's close, Lord. Father, I thank you for so many in this church who have um, passion and heart, who open their mouths and speak of your excellencies, your goodness, your forgiveness, your cleansing, your washing, the wonder of Christ, the glory of the gospel. Lord, we thank you for those who have ministered to us, who've taught us, who've called us, who've demonstrated the gospel to us. Lord, we stand on their shoulders. We are the product of their faithfulness, and we praise you for that. Lord, make us filled with the gospel. It's a work we can't stir up and do ourselves. We seek you for it. We ask you, work in us. Work in our church. Renew us, prepare us for all of the relationships that we will run across this week, that our church will uh, run into in the coming months and years. Lord, work now. Ground us in your gospel. Help us to declare it, to demonstrate it, to love it, to treasure it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.